Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus, otherwise known as Word Vomit. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the award-winning novel Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series and Pretty Ugly. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, author of the Bourbon books, including the award-winning novel Dibs since September and Move on Melinda. With us today is Amanda Jayatissa, and she is here to talk about her fantastic debut novel, <gasps> My Sweet Girl. Um, if anybody had, like, if this had accidentally gone live five seconds earlier, you would have seen us, Allison and I, just geeking out right at poor Amanda uh, about how much we loved her book. So Amanda, She's already put up with a lot, honestly. She's put up with a lot already. Um, so, Amanda, thank you for being here. Tell our audience and our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit of spoiler-free stuff about My Sweet Girl. <laughs> Sure thing. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so excited to be here. It's, it's actually 4.30 in the morning um, in Sri Lanka, where, where I am right now. What? Um, so I just assumed you were in San Francisco. 4.30 in the morning? We, we and could have changed the time for we you, Amanda. changed the time. No, it's fine. I'm totally used to it because obviously all publishing news and like emails and things come in the middle of the night. So now I've completely um, readjusted a lot of my schedule. Um, I mean, now so no, You're basically fine. a vampire. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's not bad. Um, but it's it's a lot more quiet um, at this time, so it's, it's a really good time actually to chat and stuff. I just have this really creepy vision of like everything's dark outside. And you know, when it's dark outside and you kind of don't know what's out there. So I have this like little mokini is out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which brings us. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Well, no, I I dressed up as Mohini when I was younger to scare my cousin. to do that to me, it just would be interesting for <laughs> us. Um, have you have you sent your cousins this book? Did you go, hey, look at this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mohini's out to get you. Uh, okay, yeah, we always knew you were obsessed with like ghost stories, and I guess there's proof. So, and now you're yeah, getting paid. So, <laughs> sorry. Now you're getting paid, so it's like, hey, who's obsessed now? Exactly. <laughs> um, and about the book, so um, my sweet girl, back up. Um, it's about a woman um named Paloma who finds her blackmailing roommate dead in their San Francisco apartment, and she obviously freaks out and kind of flees the apartment. Um, but when the police get there, they kind of can't find any um, trace of the body or even any evidence that this roommate even existed to begin with. Um, Paloma is convinced, though, that all these events are somehow tied into her childhood in Sri Lanka and the orphanage uh, where she grew up and the questionable choices uh, that she made to get out of there. Um, It features Mohini, which is the ghost that we were just talking about, um, who is Sri Lanka's one of Sri Lanka's, I think, most popular urban um, myths, kind of. If you're a Sri Lankan or you've spent time here, you've definitely met somebody or you know somebody, somebody who has 100% seen movies. Like, there's no questions asked. Like, I have so many, even like friends of mine who, who swear that they've seen her. Um, and I uh, love yeah, that. 
too. <laughs> like, yes. Well, and I'm, I'm kind of picturing her like a Sri Lankan La Llorona. Like, yes. I don't know if you're familiar like that. Because yes. I don't feel like, I don't feel like just Anglo-America. We don't have something equivalent. So I, I go I straight. Think we, to, like, we have like La- the generic white lady. Yeah, lady in white, but she doesn't have a cool name. Nope. No. Yes. No. She's, she's the yeah. bride who got left behind or, or the one who got killed. Yeah, and she doesn't have a back. She always name. dies on a bridge or is you, left on a yeah. bridge. <laughs> that, Jen, that's the first episode of Supernatural. I know. Okay. Just <laughs> and and Mommy never showed up in Supernatural or Grimm. And this is where I get my folklore from. So this was like a whole <laughs> new thing for me. So thank you for introducing that to me because now I'm, I have something new to be terrified of. Thank you very much. I immediately oh, went to Google just to make sure this was a real urban myth. Oh. Cause I was like, Oh, is she making this up? Or is it something I can legitimately now be scared of? Well, yeah, like, yeah, been, something I can be scared of. Cause yeah. Cause Paloma's background, you said it's her, her, her background in Sri Lanka and she's from an orphanage. So it could have been something like really specific to like, Oh, it haunts the orphanage. So what we had the church camp, I grew up, we had fireman Fred who will come and get you in the middle of the night. So you watch out for, but see fireman Fred doesn't really sound that scary. That doesn't sound terrifying. Fireman Fred, he sounds like he has a kindergarten show, honestly, like he's on Disney. <laughs> Junior. Yeah. Like he's definitely going to help you prevent forest. Fires. Yeah, That's no, what... no, he's supposed to hack it a bit. So <laughs> nice. not for the toddler set. <laughs> Um, no, I did at first think about inventing my own ghost, and I and I did kind of in the early drafts um, venture down that path, but it just it wasn't working for me. It wasn't clicking. I mean, this was this was that like penultimate horror story that I grew up listening to, or hearing, and, and retelling, and dressing up like to scare people. Um, so <laughs> it just seemed like the right thing to do to kind of like pay homage to. Um, like Sri Lankan folklore, which a lot of yeah. people might not have been exposed to. And and you're right, it is very similar to sort of La Llorona. Um I think I think a lot of cultures do have this sort of woman in white figure, especially mm-hmm. across a lot of Asian um, countries as well. Uh so yeah, it was it was just a lot of fun to incorporate this mostly female presence in the book. So I, I love that you've dressed up as her and, and, and you did it to terrify people. And not, I just like, kind of said she's not Halloween, dressed like that dress now. Up, like sexy Mohini. You know? <laughs> sexy Mohini. Like, sexy um, Mohini. Yes. That sounds like Hello, a cocktail. <laughs> Don't you feel like that's like next I Halloween? Like sexy yes. Mohini. Or it's like that is the cocktail that should like you know how a lot, like a lot of books have book clubs and cocktail recipes. Oh, you yeah, need yeah. to have the sexy Mohini. <laughs> but it has to be sad, like something Paloma would drink. So it's just like cooking Straight sherry. Cooking scotch. sherry and a handful of pills. <laughs> yeah, it's like ambient and scotch. That's the yeah. sexy mohini. Uh, well, okay, but that's actually a good point because as you said, so they come back and the police are like, hey, by the way, there's no dead roommate. Are you sure you even have a roommate? And there's no sign of this guy. And that's one of the big things is she's been told, you're not supposed to be drinking on the medication that you're on. So there's this whole element of, is she seeing any of this or is she just literally losing her, well, her shit? That's what she's losing. She's like, what? I don't know. And the number of times where it's like, wait, how many pills have you taken? How, how much have you? I don't know how much I drank. I don't even yeah. know when it is or where I am. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's interesting because obviously this this concept of an unreliable narrative and because she's she's drinking or because she's making her drink with her meds, which which she's not supposed to do, isn't it's not revolutionary, right? In this genre, it's actually pretty common to a point yeah. right now. It's almost oh, yeah. a little bit of a cliche. 
But I really wanted to bring in this angle and focus it on a brown woman because it adds mm. a whole new depth of what's going on. Because a lot of the characters that we do see are, you know, they, they do kind of fit into a certain box, right? Um, they're usually sort of, you know, mid thirties white women, suburban setting, and they the look like me ten years younger. Problem. Oops. <laughs> like I said, me but ten years younger. <laughs> are you saying you were a wine mom with a Xanax problem ten years ago? <laughs> Did I have Xanax? I didn't have Xanax. I'm not on Xanax now. That's not what they gave me. It didn't work for me. The point is, it's, it's all like soccer mom with like the three martini lunch or, you know, going through bottles of wine, like they're sippy cups. And yep. it's a very narrow, it's like, hey. And kids at like a really amazing private school. It's all the same narrators. So yeah, Paloma was definitely I, I read very widely in the genre and I really enjoy the genre. So I'm like, I'm not knocking on any of that. I'm All I'm saying is that I thought it was interesting because we don't really see brown women in feature in, in this genre. Right? They're, they're rarely the main characters. And, and just that adjustment brings in a whole other level of issues and problems and things that, um, you know, she has to deal with uh, this whole model minority idea that she feels so strongly that she has to portray this certain, um, you know, type of um, a personality almost, and you don't see that. Like you don't see her being a Karen, and she's very, very conscious of the fact that she doesn't want to be a Karen. You know, she's got the smile, she's got that like jaw. Be nice, eight. Paloma. Be yeah. nice. Be kind. Be my sweet girl, Paloma. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which I do regret is- teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we've we've all felt that way at some point, I'm sure. But um, I felt that pressure a lot, especially when when I was living. Um, in the US and in the UK. So it, it is a dimension that I wanted to bring into the story as well. Well, you handled it really perfectly. Really to do that, but you, one of the things that you mentioned is, so, okay, so her, her mother, her parents, they're adopted parents. And so some of that she's even getting internally. And I, I really liked even how you were exploring the issue of intercultural international adoptions and how that looks and how, how it looks from both sides of the parents' expectations and children's expectations and there was one line that, oh, it just it just broke me where she was trying to have her mom learn to speak the language that she grew up in. And her mom's like, oh, you already know how to speak Sri Lankan. And she's like, I didn't even have the heart to tell her that there, there's no language Sri Lankan. Like her mom doesn't even know the name of the language this child is speaking, let alone making any effort to connect with her on a heart level to be able to speak to her in her own language. And that just... I mean, if there was one takeaway line that I just was broken by, it was that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, obviously, on a personal level, um, I've experienced a lot of very interesting kind of reactions to where I'm from. Right? There is uh, there there are people who who are like, oh, Sri Lanka, where's that? So that's just India, right? That's like that's yeah, I loved that line. It's like, oh yeah, I know um, where that is. It's, it's in India. All, it's something I hear all the time, uh, <laughs> really, but. Um, and there is a lot of, there are a lot of people who also like, oh, Sri Lanka, like, that is so cool. Like, that, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> and then, like, that there's, beyond that, there's really no, like, learning or understanding or, or finding out much about me except, like, oh, like, you guys have elephants, right? And, and it's so You have elephants and you look exotic <laughs> and you use coconut products in your hair. In your hair. Yeah, yeah, it's all about being exotic. It's, it's really funny. And, and it's, for me, it was very funny because I think when I was, 15 or 16 and my first trip um to the u.s it was sort of a school group type situation where we met 
you know, um, people our age, our children our age uh, from other countries. And I wouldn't just say the most outlandish things. I'd be like, yeah, you know, I have a pet elephant. I ride it to school. And they would all believe me. With <laughs> Monkeys sleep in my bed with me. Where do you think from? Like, Narnia? Like, it's it's not the same. Yeah, but um, there was a lot of that. And of <laughs> and of course, I did. I did speak to um, a lot of people who've been who've gone through adoption, um, and a lot of Sri Lankans who've been adopted by uh, typically white families, um, and and people from other cultures who've been adopted by by white families, and and how they felt about that process. Of course, I have to say that a lot of them, like a large, large majority of them, did not have experiences anywhere close to Palomas. That was a little exaggerated, obviously. Um, but uh, it, it was very interesting for me also to consider orphanages and how they are run. Um, in Sri Lanka, it's very common, I think, for us to be involved I think, from a very young age in various charities and things like that. Um, it, it's very much a part of the culture. So I have, like, growing up, we would spend a lot of time at orphanages. I've volunteered at a lot of orphanages. Family works closely with a lot of orphanages. So um, you do get exposed to certain things. Um and one thing that I was very conscious about was trying not to portray this orphanage as a systematically terrible place. Um, yeah. you, you know, like the, it is, of course, it is creepy and gothic, and, and there's a whole load of issues to unpack there. Um, yeah, but, yeah. yeah <laughs> but it was sort of one of your like Oliver Twist orphanages, if, if that makes sense. Because, yeah, they um, weren't starving to death. I loved mm-hmm. the little, the nuances of like, oh, I wore a pink Barbie t-shirt that had glitter on it. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. they had books, they had everything, they had friends. They had, yeah. you know, a ghost they were scared of and a creepy driver slash gardener. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, like the kind of archetype of the the very, very strict nun that I think scared me more than Mohini did. Yeah, that's true. I think we were all more scared of her than than Mohini. And then the whole idea of like, so it's not really the orphanage. If they could stay in the orphanage forever with the other little girls who became their family, that'd be fine. It's the prospect of having to leave the orphanage that it's like you either get adopted into the dream or you go to a place where you're going to get caned for not having memorized 47 Bible verses someday. (laughs) Not a good thing. Just yeah, the, writing the nun was a lot of uh, fun, and I think I I felt really bad because so two of my <laughs> friends um, went to sort of convent schools and had to really deal with nuns. Convent schools are very popular in in Colombo and Sri Lanka in general, um, so it isn't unheard of that you have to deal with these really strict nuns. And a lot of it wasn't based on fiction; like these were real. A lot of them were real or real adjacent things that happened. Real adjacent. That's my favorite new word. That is a really good it's way. Real adjacent. Um, derived from. Derived um, from. Well, I, was, <laughs> like, I went to Catholic school when I was little, like little, little for many years. And I did get hit with a ruler. Like that's just something that happened. And I'm not like so old that it's like way back in the yeah. olden days. <laughs> right. I'm like. The 80s. the 80s. <laughs> Although it has been long enough now that sadly the 80s, the 80s, that would be considered historical fiction now, Jen. Oh, Oh, yeah. We're old. It's channel radio to like the oldies channel and you hear these pop songs. And it's Madonna. You're like, Tears for Fairies is not an oldie. Would you stop? Seriously. (laughs) Guys. I can't with you. 
<laughs> so oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so this is your debut novel. Is this, debut, yes. yeah. Is this yeah. actually the first novel you've written or are you like many, many of the authors we've talked to and ourselves that have multiple books that just like didn't go anywhere that agents were like there's a chunk of books kind of thing like, yeah hidden under the bed <laughs> so I the bad file books. on your computer that's just like <laughs> just this oh, frowny wow. face <laughs> there are a lot of ideas that didn't make it past you know that like starting point um but i i have written one book before this where i um, it was really, it's a really funny story. It was just something that I wrote without really thinking about anything like the constraints of genre or, or you know, things you're supposed yes. to think about when you're writing a book. Um, because I had no idea what, what I was doing. I was just like, oh, la la, I have this idea. I'm just going to start writing a few pages. Um, it was a really busy time in my life. Like we were starting a new business. I was finishing off masters and I had like little breaks in between and I was just absolutely adamant that I would write a book and publish it. And get this before my thirtieth birthday. Wow! Um, so how that for you, Amanda? It's a fairy tale book. <laughs> life, if not for setting up these random goalposts that um and these deadlines that you know just do nothing. Which things that you have no control over once you write oh, the yeah, book. Yeah. Like, oh yes, I'll be published by the time I'm thirty. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Um, <laughs> you just was need just all the planets to align for that to happen. Yeah, yeah. And and when they didn't align, I <laughs> published the book in in Sri Lanka, um, and I was I got really lucky um, with it that it was locally it was generally well received. Um, I won an award for it, like a local award for it um, and stuff. So I was really sort of um, heartened by this, uh, which act which is what really kind of persuaded me to. Um, chase after publishing or, or pursue yeah. a traditional publishing deal because one thing that self-publishing taught me is that self-publishing really really works for some authors it just definitely did not work for me um you know the, the we understand that. I was gonna say that that actually is gospel so go on yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is true i want to hear you would mention though that you when you're writing it you weren't writing with any constraints especially as to genre so how would you describe that first book what genres or collection melange of genres were you were you drawing from? And you can say any and all, that's fine. But yeah. what can you tell us a little bit about it? Especially because I don't think I have access to Sri Lankan bookstores. It was, it was. Oh, I love the laughter. Oh my God. Oh dear, go on. Okay, just it tell was, us if we're wrong. Are there vampires? No, it was Is a it erotic mystery. private detective. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Amanda. We'll stop. Yeah. <laughs> Not erotic. I'm not that gifted, unfortunately. Um, but uh, no, it was a steampunk mystery. It was um, it was one of those things where I I think I couldn't be bothered to do any historic research. So uh -oh, we've I all been there. My old world, because that would be easier. And, <laughs> the idea of world being, uh, building being easier than research is like that. Sounds true. It is not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Exactly. It felt like it was easy, but it at the time it just seemed like a good idea. And then afterwards, I remember um, I gave it to like one of my my good friends who's a, who's a first reader, and he was like, "Oh, it looks like steampunk." And I was like, "Aha! Uh -huh. Exactly. <laughs> it's not just poorly researched historical fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. 
Pretty much. Um, no, it was a lot of fun. It really got me, I think, thinking, um, asking myself a lot of big questions like, is this really what I want to be writing? Um, you know, and, and kind of being, uh, it, it took a while for me to really understand, okay, like I, I have to be true to myself here, um, which is why I have since let go of really writing in that space. Um, nice and- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I focus more on, um, I mean, at, with everything that I've written or been really interested in, there is sort of this running theme in that there has to be some mystery or something that drives it forward. Um, just because see, growing up in Sri Lanka, I didn't have uh, a ton of access to, I think, more um, American titles. Like growing up, we, we read a whole lot of Enid Blyton um, in, in Sri Lanka. It was like the popular book. So a lot of famous five, Secret Seven. Um, you know, the, these ideas that there are a bunch of kids and they're trying to solve a mystery. And mm-hmm. I think that's really... Like the really babysitter's club. <laughs> a, a, a little... I've heard a lot of them don't solve mysteries. <laughs> don't they? I don't know. No, I never read them. That's more like the Bloodhound Gang or maybe Nancy Drew, but with extra friends. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, it is very, very Nancy Drew. So, like, when I was a little older and, and was able to get a little bit more access, like, Nancy Drew was what I... I um, sort of reached towards uh, Babysitter's Club had that one I remember it was my first the first Babysitter's Club book I bought was um, I think it was something about like the missing ring Stacy and like the missing, missing like she was she was babysitting and a diamond ring goes missing and they, they tried to find it so I was see, always I loved that one <laughs> see I was I was so hoping you were gonna say it was the one where Claudia thinks she's adopted did you ever read that one no there's one where she thinks she's adopted and it's simply because her parents didn't take as many baby pictures of her because she was the second child. So she gets it in her head that like, why are there baby pictures? I, I don't have, am I adopted? Like all. No, your parents were just exhausted. <laughs> but it's like, no, Claudia, you're not, you're not adopted. You're not. Sure. No, I love the Babysitter's Club. We didn't have all the titles over here. It was something that like you, you would luck into. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it was just, I, I just loved things with like books with mysteries in it or stories with, with mysteries in it that need to be solved. If there were more, like, the more plot twists, the better. So, um, so yeah, it, it just, I think it was only a matter of time till I figured out, Hey, like that's the kind of thing I want to be writing. Um, so. so that's still carried over from the earlier book. You're just like, maybe the setting won't be random steampunk or steampunk by default or something. <laughs> like, so or I totally that- meant to write a steampunk novel. I definitely did. Yeah. At the time I was like, yeah, I, I really I love steampunk. Um, <laughs> and and uh, no, and it's cool. Like it was, it, it's not that I don't like steampunk. I do read, I do like reading sort of in that fantasy space. Um, I mean, it's funny because steampunk's technically considered like, I, I think that's sci-fi fantasy like we don't I don't really even work. fully know and I read one recently I'm like I always think of it as sci-fi it? meets fantasy kind mm. of but there's that historical element but it feels like it's kind of its own thing because they have flying like, machines flying machines everything but, the, but everybody's you know, wearing corsets but yeah everyone's like wearing corsets and, soot and of the, just for reasons yeah it's all good yeah yeah it was um if you're confused I was too <laughs> 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 okay, so you settled on this, and this is contemporary set. Although, because we do have for anybody who hasn't read it yet, go read it. But you will see that there's there's dual narration, and I just want to say, and I, I said as much beforehand that I got to listen to it on Audible, and your narrator just she was fabulous, oh, and she she handles all the accents. She handles like because you're also with the younger version 
of these mm-hmm. characters in the orphanage. And she does, she sounds like a convincing kid, but then can go into like this hardened San Francisco young woman who's just like, shit, I gotta go to this oh. bar. And like, she's grumbling and, you know, yes, Sam, thank you, Sam. And then goes back to being this sweet little child and it's so cute, but <laughs> well, any punches. I'll just put it that yeah. way. She is so amazing. I remember I got on a call with her because we had to iron out, um, you know, some of the Sri Lankan pronunciation and things like that. Yeah. And um, and she just, uh, towards the end of the call, and I really liked her and, you know, we were vibing, everything was great. And, and then towards the end of the call, she goes, oh yeah, by the way, do you want me to read it like this? And she reads these like two lines from the story. And I was just like, like my jaw just hung open. I was like, it's, it's Paloma. It's Paloma. Hi, Paloma. How are you? <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, please don't say mean things about me in your head, Paloma. Um, she was, it was so spot on. I was absolutely blown away. Um, you know, and, and that was something we were very kind of sensitive to when we were trying to find a narrator. It's, it's someone who's able to do these Sri Lankan accents as a child. Yeah. And then, you know, grows up to have to be this you know, very mean girl-esque. Um, yeah, you know, she has so. almost no accent. But then mm-hmm. she's still, but the narrator's also still doing voices like Sam, who is also Sri Lankan, but a, a man, and be yeah. able to sound like that and, and sound convincingly like a man too. So, amazing. Yeah, she um, she was fantastic. Absolutely blew my mind. Loved well, hopefully it. you have her on, on the hook for all your other books. And maybe if you bribe her, she'll go do your first one too. Oh, maybe not the first. But definitely for, okay. for the next. How do you feel about steampunk? <laughs> <laughs> like I'll do it. I'll do it. It's good. It's all good. So I always I have to ask this about like everybody that we have that writes mystery because I love mystery. I always think like, oh, I want to write a mystery. I want to write something, but like I'm bad at planning, and I never know the end of the book. We are both pantsers, pantsers. so we're like uh, mystery, huh? So, so I, I always have to ask, like, I know, like, we talked a little bit before the show that you didn't, you had a different version of the ending in mind, mm-hmm. but you had an ending in mind, which to me already was like, that's great. Because I write going, <laughs> I don't know where this is going. <laughs> Are you um, somebody who has to plan it out? Like, a, do you have one of those serial killer boards, like, in your house where, like, everything? She like, looks over. She's like, it's right Amanda, what's over there? <laughs> It's either Mohini or the serial killer board or Mohini holding the serial killer board. Oh, um, no, I definitely, so going into this, I actually knew a hundred percent what the big reveal, um, slash plot twist, like the, the main one, I knew what that right. was because I was actually using that on another story. Um, oh. that was not working, um, because I couldn't get the setting and the narrator's voice right in, in any way just was not gelling together. Huh. And um, it's really funny because I actually had this really um, terrible, almost like a meltdown, but they didn't know it was a meltdown with my bank. And I was just really, really angry. And I went to, you know, afterwards I went to a coffee shop and I, you know, ordered a big cup of coffee and I started like rage writing all this stuff in this really <laughs> Is that coffee. how you got your first uh, there's scene? Opening. Oh, there's yeah. your opening. That's that's like 100% where that first scene came from, where, you know, you're stuck in a bank and you have to play nice 
and your jaws aching because you're smiling so hard, but inside you just want to like, like you know, um, you break through the plexiglass. The special place in hell for bad customer service representation. Oh, oh yeah, oh, for sure. And um, and so and so that's where sort of Paloma's voice came in, and then. I was like, oh, okay, maybe I could. And then I ripped apart that old story that I was working on just took out the elements that I, there's just one big element that I liked um, and plugged it in with this story in sort of the Sri Lanka, San Francisco setting. Um, and it, it, and it, I felt like it came together. So um, there is a certain element of, of pansing in that I'll know, I'll map out the main plot twists and kind of where they would, sort of at what point I want them to be sort of what if there are reveals yeah. when the reveal would happen or when the plot twist would happen really. Um, now I have the great, absolute, amazing, wonderful advantage of being able to discuss it with, you know, like my agent and my editor, which I didn't have back in the day. So that's made the process a whole lot easier. Um, and so I have a sort of a, a slightly cleaner outline or it's not, never really a major outline. It's more like a beat sheet. Um, and Do you I'm mean for later like, books then? Yeah, for, for later okay. books. So with, with Paloma as well, I would have like a rough idea of where I want things to go. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that rough idea is followed is it's, you know, we can just toss we a point in. Well, yeah. And one of the things I, I really loved about, so you, you said you have this like a main twist, but there were multiple twists. And then there were also places where I was thinking, is this going to be, and then it wasn't. So you had so many places. I, I mean, I literally said my head is spinning because I'm like, is this going to be, oh no, then it isn't. Oh, but then, oh, oh, that's not what I thought was going to happen because you, you, it was like you were directing us towards one way. And then the last minute it's like, oh, no, look over there. I was getting whiplash reading this, but yet <laughs> everything was still, it all still made sense. It, it, there was never something like I've read certain books where it's like, oh, I didn't see it coming. And I didn't see it coming because the author really just pulled a Houdini and pulled something out of left field and said, here's the ending. And you're like, you're like, you you just made that up. You just threw it in. And there's no way that I, as a reader could have detected it, that even on a second read, there would not have been hints. Whereas if now, if I were to go reread this, I would be seeing more hints and go, Oh, oh, I see what you're doing now. Oh, I see where that leads in. And I can't think that that could have just happened naturally in one draft. You had to have multiply figured out where these are and then put those little early seeds. And especially you had such a, you had such a, I don't want to say like for some of the minor twists, they, I don't want to say they were throwaway, but they just kind of very seamlessly, you were in the character's head. And I was like, yes, I love that. It wasn't like, (laughs) I think I know which one you mean. Yeah, or, or one of the ones you mean? Where there were like, there were I think two or three that I was like, oh, yes, I love that. <laughs> and and I, I know at least one of them I saw coming, but then the re- the, the second part as far as what that led to, not so much. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> that makes sense. I, I think um, with twists, it's very it's interesting because personally, I love a good a good twist, and if there are many of them, that's that's what I like. And I um, and and I remember chatting about this with with my agent even for for the next book it, is that what's really nice is if you have the twist and then you have that little uh, uh, at the end where it's like is that oh oh um, you know and you have that like little thing again which is like a little mini and and for me the more they're peppered in the, the better the story is as far as it makes sense to the plot and in in my case it was a lot of the twists and i think i know which ones you're you're referring to 
Um, <laughs> a lot of that really, for me, was laying the groundwork for Paloma's character because a lot of what happened, obviously, is what led to her being this absolute, uh-huh. you know, train wreck um, woman unraveling and trying to get some semblance of control over her life but failing at it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a result of everything that happened to her. I mean, people don't just wake up one day and decide to, yeah. you know, go on benders and everything <laughs> she was made perfect sense mm-hmm. once we figured out everything that she had been through. Like I just mm-hmm. was like, I get it, I get all of it. I also really want to say I liked her side hustle. <laughs> that's a- <laughs> I was like, that? About what that? a great way to what? make money. Is this is, is this podcast that allowed to talk about that? <laughs> no, I um I read a, a few interviews of of women who engage in side hustles um similar to that, and I was like, she doesn't oh, sell Tupperware, folks. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it's not multi level marketing. <laughs> no, that was a really weird way to recruit people. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I don't even want to say what it is, but it's a it's it was really handled well. It was funny. I know people who do similar things for. Okay, I won't say what it is, but it reminded me. I saw something on Twitter about someone who she was selling her hearts in a jar. Oh, I saw something. Oh, she ended up in the hospital because apparently the way she was eating was intentionally to give her really bad gas and eventually it got too hard and she was like in this in the hospital because you can't eat like that forever i did read something like that i didn't read it on twitter i think i actually saw it on an it is i don't like it but like i mean you have to i mean i'm like i've started businesses i mean very very you know like mainstream businesses now like (laughs) things are I'm like, you can't help but really admire the entrepreneurial, like, mindset of someone. Yeah. Her, <laughs> like, who yeah. knows to them? Really her profit margin was great. Mm-hmm. I bet. <laughs> you know, I was like, look at that. That's, well, I was just 20 years younger and hotter. <laughs> I don't know if any of that matters. It's what to sell your first in a George. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's the one I don't want to do. <laughs> Like, would you be anonymous though? Like, if you could anonymously sell your pots in a jar, would you? I mean, but I think some of it has must be because she's was probably like a like a hot girl. I'm sure some of it was, but hot enough. You know, I'm not going to kink shame. Whatever people want, whatever makes you happy, whatever you oh, want to yeah. spend your money on, it could be worse. It could be drugs. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like I got nothing. I just wrote the book. <laughs> no, no, I just um. And and I mean it was one of those it's one of those things where it's like Paloma is not apologetic about her side hustle and and, and that was important to me too um, you know that that it's not something necessarily that she's ashamed of it could have some repercussions like you know that 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 she got a little paranoid about um, you know a bit early on there but it's definitely I mean. No shame me girls gotta do what a girl's gotta do hey so as she's getting because she's getting her freelance business getting going and hey you need a side income while you're getting a business started everybody knows that yep yeah i mean i think only fans wasn't a thing um when, <laughs> like when I was, anyway considered i would i would think um you know so <laughs> so on that note people are, are now like wait there's a what's going on in this book this book and everything a whole new demographic Orphans. you were probably not trying to appeal to right now 
Like, it's a very, very minor. Don't read it for that. Yeah. (laughs) Don't read it for the side hustle. Read it for the scotch drinking and the blackouts. Yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) That should be like the tagline. Yeah. (laughs) I could, yeah, you can put that on your cover. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay, so you said that now you have more of a beat sheet and you were able to kind of have these, you know, your editor and your agent to work through things with. So what are you working on now and when can we have it in our hot little hands? Yeah. <laughs> it's um, do you need early readers? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you have two volunteers right here. Oh, thank you. Thanks. No, it's it's done. Um it's uh, it's with the team at Berkeley and you know, we're in that production stage that's really exciting where, you know, I'm seeing covers and it's um you know, people are people who are, are finally having those conversations going um, about it, which is which is really exciting. Uh, it is, um, of course, it is another suspense. Um, it is this time it's based completely in Sri Lanka, but a different type of Sri Lanka to the orphanage because this time it's um, in Colombo Seven, which is okay. very sort of bougie upper class Colombo society, and um, it takes place around a Sri Lankan wedding. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to write. Again, it's like, you know, I feel like my books have this mean streak to them. (laughs) And you seem so pleasant. And we're not (laughs) complaining at all. (laughs) I think, wasn't your dedication in the book, was it like to your husband or something that's like, thank you for forgiving me when I'm being a total Paloma? (laughs) (laughs) I read that and I'm like, I'm going to love her. (laughs) No, it's it's um it's really funny because I do uh I think like when I was younger I, I did a lot of sort of theater acting stuff like that and I was I could totally understand and I wouldn't do this of course but like I could totally understand like method actors and why they would be a certain way because you need to kind of get into that mindset. And when I was writing Paloma, I a hundred percent had to get into that like mean girl mindset and so you're basically a method writer is what you're telling us. Yeah. It's like such a funny thing to say, right? But I definitely do start like thinking like that. And like through the day when I'm going through like just like my daily business, I'd be um, thinking, I was like, oh, like what's a snarky, like I'd, I'd be thinking snarky things to myself just to get into that like headspace of like just being mean. I wouldn't say it out loud, but I mean, things do slip out every once in a while, usually towards the direction of my, my poor, poor husband who is so, I mean, he's so patient and kind of, there have been so many times where he just like looked at me and he's like, all right, can you like stop being a Paloma now? <laughs> my wife. I love that it's like a phrase. My wife. It is. Don't be a Paloma. <laughs> is, is he where you get some of the inspiration then for Sam? Because I love Sam and just like how he's like, so I, I'm not saying that I don't like partying with you when you're completely crazy drunk, but maybe <laughs> just Victoria Town, maybe just a little bit. I didn't mean to scare you. And you told me to call you and I just have food. I mean, he's bringing food. How can you not love someone who's just showing up like, what kind of food would you like? Food. Like it's like the best thing to do, right? And I definitely like that bit was is straight up from my husband. It's like I'll be, you know, having a Paloma Dan. He'd know like the thing to do is to feed me. He's like, here. Yes. I would do for you. And um and he is a fantastic cook, so it works out really, really well for me. Um but yeah, definitely that like um I really wanted this contrast between Sam and Paloma because Paloma is someone who's obviously been through it right like she's been through it and that's why she is who she is and obviously she's jaded obviously she's bitter obviously she's had enough of it 
And Sam is based, I mean, obviously, like, there's a really good nature that, that comes from my husband and, you know, a lot of sort of guys I know who are just very, like, I feel like that sense of innocence almost. And and he's actually based on, um, very strongly on this guy I did meet when I was in the U.S., who was just so bought into this idea of like the American dream and how he was just so thankful to be there because it was hot and it is hot for Sri Lankans to get over there, right? It's not like, you know, you can just wake up one day and decide like, hey, I'm just going to buy a plane ticket and fly over there because no. we don't have a very good passport. Like just even applying for holiday visa is, is um, an effort. <laughs> and, you know, if you're going there for like, actual like university or, or trying to live there, it's very, very expensive. And the average Sri Lankan would really struggle to get over there. So when you get over there, you're usually pretty darn grateful um, and, and very sort of blue-eyed, optimistic, glasses half full. Um, and Every day's a musical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it was funny. There was this one guy that I met who was, who was so much like that in the U.S. Um, I met him only very briefly. He was dating um, a girl in my dorm. And, um, and I remember he like really struck that like chord with me and he kept like trying to speak to me in, in Sinhalese, which at the time I kind of annoyed him. I found it really, really comforting. Um, but it was really like, nice. And I was like, could you not? <laughs> like, please stop. And, and that bit was from, I think I have, um, I have cousins who grew up not in Sri Lanka and obviously didn't get the chance to speak much. Sinhalese, um, and they're so fed up of Sri Lankans going up to them, uh, like whenever they see, in, like meet another Sri Lankan, even a complete stranger in, in public, and they come up to them and just like start rattling off, like, oh, like can you speak in Sinhalese? Like uh, you're from Sri Lanka, and and obviously that's that's a very and that's a very normal reaction. I mean, even for me, if I were to meet someone from Sri Lanka, um, and, and like say in the Bay Area. If, if I ever were to meet a stranger who was Sri Lankan, the first thing I was like, huh, like how they may. And you might be like, yeah, or maybe. And yeah, and, and I remember the guy that I met and he was probably like totally being a Paloma in his head. I remember he was just like, uh-huh. Uh, and he was like, oh, which means yes. And then he's like, but I, I grew up here, so I don't really speak it. Like I can kind of understand it, but I can't really speak it. Um, and I think that's a frustration that a lot of, uh, I think, like, Sri Lankans who are living abroad or who have grown up abroad have to face. So. Well, especially if there's not a huge community around where you can continue to speak the language, a lot of other groups would come here. They're there with extended families and other communities, and there's, like, a little Saigon and areas where there's a dense ethnic population where you can probably keep speaking it. I don't know if you're going to find that when you come here if you're trying to speak Sinhalese. Like, no, no. you've got to take it where you can find it. No, sure, sure. I mean, it's it's very rare than like people even know where Sri Lanka is, um, and and most of the time when I speak to, I think most of the Americans I met, they're like, "Oh, you're the first person from Sri Lanka that we've met," um, which has been pretty much. I mean, we're a very small country, of course, so it's only to be expected. Yes. Well, Amanda, this has been amazing. I hate to say it, we are out of time. Everybody who's listening to this live or on our replay. <laughs> Go out and buy Amanda's book or order it on anywhere online, Amazon, bookshop.org. Listen to it. Um, Amanda, you were great. Allison, you were great. (laughs) (laughs) 
This has been a copywritten podcast by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Stay tuned next week when we have the author of Defenestrate, Rach, uh, Renee Branham. Sorry, almost said her name wrong. Um, so she will be here next week. And thank you all so much.